Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. Our subject for the next several weeks is going to be suffering, suffering. And probably when some of you heard this, you said, oh boy, I want to hear this one. This will really be what I need. Uh, The Bible has a lot to say about suffering. And uh, a lot of you live with suffering, am I right? And some of you have mild suffering, some have severe, some have occasional suffering, but all of us have suffering, and the Bible tells us why. I read uh, some books on suffering the last several weeks. One I thought was interesting. There was a council in the 300s, a church council called by Constantine. It was called the Council of Nicaea. The Council of Nicaea was a very, very important council because it solidified a number of the Bible doctrines. One of the doctrines is the Trinity, and the Council of Nicaea settled that and wrote down about the, about the Trinity. Also, the separation of church and state. Before this, the government was over the church, and the government could prosecute people, and they separated the church and state. The state was not over the church, and the church was not over the state. Now, in, in the Council of Nicaea, There were 318 delegates. Now here's the significant thing. Of the 318 delegates, only 12 had suffered. All the rest had missing fingers, they had uh, limps, they had broken bones, they had been tortured for Christ. Out of the 300 delegates, 318, 12 of them were people who had not had any kind of suffering. So suffering goes with being a Christian. I read of a a pastor one time, he was undergoing some great suffering and wondering why. And he went out one one day, he was walking and he found a stone cutter. The stone cutter was working on something and he watched the stone cutter chip away at that piece of stone for a bit. And finally he, he asked him, he said, well, what are you doing? What are you making? He said, well, I'm making it down here so it will fit up there. And he pointed to the very top of the cathedral and there was a little place there for a stone. He said, I'm cutting it here so it will fit up there. And God spoke to his heart and he walked away with tears in his eyes and God said to him, that's what I'm doing to you now. I'm, I'm cutting out the stone. I'm fixing you to fit up there. Many of the Psalms have to do with suffering. A lot of the Psalms are written out of times of great suffering. There's a famous author I read about who wrote a 20-volume books on the history of the world. And he had great suffering. In fact, suffering was so great that he could only work for about five minutes, and then he had to rest. And he'd rest, and then he'd start again, do five more minutes, all the way. And then he finally finished his book on history, and he had 20 volumes. But he did them in the midst of great suffering. So my prayer is that during this study we're going to have, that we will learn to thank God for the suffering and use it as God wants us to use it. It's it's a gift. Suffering is a gift. Now, there are two things as we start. In fact, it's in your notes. The two things. First of all, right now, today, is your last opportunity to suffer. One day you're going to be in heaven and no more suffering, no more pain, no more problems. If you are a believer, you have today. 
and a few short years after that to suffer. And then after that, suffering is all over. The Apostle Paul suffered. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was stoned so much they thought he was dead and drug his body out to the city dump. Paul suffered enormously. And all of this happened after he became a Christian. And God said, Paul, you're a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name unto the Gentiles. When God came to Ananias and wanted Ananias to uh, go to Paul and, and pray with him, God said to Ananias in, in Acts chapter, I think it's 9, verse 16, I will show him how great things he must suffer for my sake. Now we think of Paul as a great preacher, a great evangelist, a great church planter, but not only that, Paul was a great sufferer. Paul suffered greatly, but his suffering's over now. He's in a place of no more suffering. Paul suffered, but now he does not. And you may be going through some suffering. I don't know about all of you, but I know some of you have problems and different sufferings that go, go, go in your life, but all of it will be over one day when we see the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, this is your last opportunity to suffer. Here's a second truth. I think it's on your notes as well. Soon, your suffering will all be gone. And this class is a study about suffering, what the Bible teaches about the subject of suffering. I'd never, ever taught a class on this before, so it's all been kind of new to me, and I've just really, really profited, and it's really been of enormous help about the idea of suffering. So, let's start on your outline, Roman numeral one. The origin of suffering. Where did suffering begin? Why do we have suffering? Well, the suffering, if you'll see in your Bible, is found in Genesis chapter 3. If you'll turn there, we'll look at Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 16. Genesis 3.16. This is right after Adam and Eve had sinned against God, broken what God had told them to do, and now they stand before the Lord. Unto the woman, God said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception in sorrow thou shalt bring forth children and thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over thee. The word desire means longing or craving. So God said to the woman, you're going to have suffering, the pain of childbirth, there will be suffering there. And then he said to Adam, verse number 17, he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. God says, Cursed is the ground for thy sake. All in sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. So the ground was going to be cursed for Adam. And then in verse 19, In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread till thou return to the dust. For the dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. God told Adam and Eve both that we're going to involve suffering. So this life right now is our last opportunity to suffer. And then soon suffering is going to be all over. All right, Roman number one, the beginning of suffering is in Genesis chapter three. Now the first two chapters of Genesis are pretty good. God made all the different things. He made the sun, the moon, the stars, the earth, all the plants. And each time you read, and it was good and it was good, and it was good. And then something happens. 
Adam and Eve sinned against God, and because of their sin, things were not good any longer. Adam and Eve dis disobeyed the Lord, and they had to suffer because of that. Genesis 3.8, Adam and Eve hid from God, and the rest of the Bible is a story of the suffering of mankind. Uh, in Genesis chapter 5, you know what Genesis 5 is called? It's called the graveyard chapter of the Bible. You read Genesis 5 over and over and over in Genesis 5. It says, and he died, and he died, and he died. Now, they lived a long time. Seth lived over 800 years. How'd you like to do that? Live over 800 years. Most of you are shaking your head. You, know, I, you say, I don't want to do that. Well, he lived 800 years. Uh, Enos, 905 years. Methuselah, the longest of all, you remember how long Methuselah lived? 969 years. But even after that, almost a thousand years, and he died. And so in Genesis 5, each time you can read it, I think there, I've forgotten how many times there are, it says, and he died, and he died, and he died. But the good news is, when you go to the last book of the Bible, the book of the Revelation, chapter 21, it says, there's no more suffering. So there's suffering in Genesis and no more suffering after Genesis 21. Here's the verse. A new heaven, a new earth, no more sea. God will dwell with them and, all, and, and no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain, and no more hospitals. All of those things are going to be gone. So the Bible opens with suffering, but thank God it ends with suffering and the suffering will be will end. Now, that's the origin of suffering. Where did it start? In the book of Genesis. And it's continued on until today. We have suffering. Most of you suffer something. It may be mild. It may be occasional. It may be all the time. We all undergo suffering. So what are the lessons from suffering? I've got about five lessons that I thought would be the heart of what we look at today. Here's the first one. Job chapter 1, we're introduced to a man who was an upright man. The Bible says he was blameless. He was upright. He had a large family. He had great wealth. He had a good reputation. All of that's going well. We would look at Job, and we would say, my, that man is blessed. He's got plenty of money. He's got a good family. He's got good health. All of these were, things were good. And then... God pulls the curtain back, and we see a discussion going on in heaven. And the discussion is between God and Satan. And Satan says this to God. You have put a... Uh, God asked, asked this question. God said, have you considered my servant Job? And then Job and, or Satan answers in verse 9. Does Job fear God for naught, for nothing? You put a hedge about him, and you bless his work and his substance. Satan says, God, the reason Job is so good and the reason he's so blessed, you've blessed him. You've protected him. you put a hedge about him. So God says to Satan, put your hand on him and thou touch all he has and he will curse you to your face. And most of you read that passage in the book of Job. The first two chapters of Job are wonderful chapters. But now, things change. 
So here's what we learned. First thing we learned this. Suffering is real. That's the first thing about suffering. Suffering is real. Suffering hurts. Suffering, uh, we have caskets, we have cemeteries, we have uh, problems, we have pain. Uh, suffering is a very real thing. Do you know there are some people that say suffering is not real? Uh, they, all, they say suffering is just in your mind, and if you uh, get your mind right, you won't have any suffering. Suffering is not real, but that's not what the Bible says. God, suffer, God says in the Bible, suffering is very real. And many of you can say amen in your heart, right? I have suffering. I have problems. I have problems sleeping at night. I have, or you say, we, I have problems with this or with that. And we, we know suffering is a very real thing. And so as I'm speaking to this class, I know there are many of you who can say a good amen to that. Here's the second thing about suffering on your outline. God is sovereign over suffering. God is sovereign. Now, Satan caused Job to suffer. And Satan caused Job, uh, Job to suffer, and Job sinned. He had to get, but anything Satan did, he had to get permission from God. When uh, Job suffered, and his children died, and he stood by the caskets of his daughter, and he hurt, God was over that. God was sovereign over that in his death of his children, in the boils that came on his body, in the severe pain. God knew, or Job knew God well enough to say, God is good. You know, Job's wife came to him. Remember that story? And she said, Job, you've suffered all this. Why don't you just curse God and die? Just curse God and die. And Job knew God well enough. Look in chapter 2 and verse 10. Shall we accept God, good from God, and not trouble? So Job was saying, listen, God's been really, really good to us. God is sovereign over suffering. If you're suffering today, mentally, physically, some way, God has allowed that. God is sovereign. God could have stopped it, but he didn't. And so any suffering you undergo, God is sovereign over suffering. Pain is allowed by God. Are you in pain this morning? You have some kind of pain? The difference between pain like is, uh, that we know about is kind of like a, a, a robber comes and slashes you with a knife. But God's pain is like a surgeon with a scalpel. Any pain you endure, it's because God has allowed that pain. So first of all, first thing, suffering is real. Second thing, God is sovereign over suffering. And here's the third thing. There is such a thing as innocent suffering. Innocent suffering. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, all sin, all suffering is not because of sin. Uh, we see somebody and immediately we think, well, they must have done something wrong. And so God is punishing them. You remember Job's friends that came to see him? Chapter 3 through 37, I think it is. All of those chapters in the book of Job, his friends say, Job, why don't you just come clean? You must have sin for God to allow all of this to happen, for your children to all be killed, for you to suffer, for you to lose all your possessions and have these terrible boils. The friend said, Joseph, Job, you must confess. God is punishing you because of that. And we have to be careful when someone is suffering 
not to jump to conclusions. It was an event in the time of Christ when a man was born blind. And the disciples saw the man who was born blind, and they asked Jesus, who did sin, this man or his parents? Was he suffering in the womb? Is that because, because of sin? Now, here's the, here's the thing. The Jewish people believed that you could commit sin in the womb. Now, how that is, I don't know. But the Jewish people were taught that, that a little baby in the womb could sin, and therefore they'd have suffering. But suffering is not always because of sin. Some suffering is innocent suffering. Some suffering you and I go through, it's not because we've done anything wrong. God is doing it, and suffering is out of the love of God. The devil accused God of being easy on Job. And, and so God answers Job. Job, Job has some questions. When, uh, when all of this happened, Job was questioning God. So I want you to turn with me. Let's go to Job chapter 42. Job chapter 42. And in essence, in Job 42, God is saying, listen, Job, I am God and you are not. God is infinitely wiser, infinitely smarter. God is to be worshiped and God is to be trusted. And when, when all of this happened, Job chapter 38, I'm sorry, I put you 42. In chapter 38, it's not our position to understand why. It's not our position to figure out why God is allowing this. We are simply to trust God. Job, God said, Job, you cannot understand why. The reason suffering comes is because of my wisdom. And Job wants an interview with God. Have you ever wanted that? Have you ever said, you know, I'd like to talk to God about this. I'd like to ask God why he's doing this. And God answers Job, but in chapter 38, God answers him, but God does not give him any answers to his suffering. He answers Job, and he has a meeting with Job, but he does not explain why Job lost his family, why Job lost his health, why Job was covered with boils. God never, ever explains that. You can read the whole book of Job, and you'll never find that. So let's see what God says. Genesis 38 and verse number 1. It says, then God answered Job. The word then means after all of his children were dead, after all of his health was gone, after his problems were upon him. And then God comes and begins asking some questions of Job. Now Job wanted to answer, ask some questions of God. But God says, Job, I've got some questions for you. And verse number two and three, you see that? Who is he that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? You know what words without knowledge are? That's ignorance. Words without knowledge. He said, you, who is this ignorant person that is talking to me? Who's got things confused? Who's got thing, things muddled? And so God was accusing Job of that. Then verses three, uh, verse, verse three, he says, I will demand of thee, God says this, I will demand of thee, answer thou me, I will question you. And God becomes the questioner. Now Job thought he was going to start asking God questions. He was going to get some answers. But God says, no, Job, I've got some questions for you. And he asks Job, are you eternal? Were you there when I created everything? Verse 11, where was thou when I laid the foundations 
of the earth. Did you participate in making the planets? Job, were you there when I created the stars? Job, do you know all of this? Verse 7, when the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God sang together, when the angels were there, and they saw God make everything and create everything, uh, they, God says, Job, were you there? Of course, the answer is no. Verse 8, or who shut up the sea with, uh, with doors and raised up the continents? That is, who, who created the land mass? Job, did you create the land mass? Did you create Africa and South America and North America? Job, did you do that? The answer, of course, is no. Verses 39 and 40. Job, could you feed the animals? Somebody's figured if you, if you fed all the animals one day, it would come into the millions and billions of dollars. And God does it every single day. He's asked Job that. And then verse 40, shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him, he that reproveth God, let him answer it. He said, Job, you're, you're trying to answer what I do. You're trying to discuss what I do. God already knew the answer. God knew what he was doing. And the rest of the chapter of Job, the rest of the book of Job, God is talking to Job and asking Job, did you do this? Did you do this? And the answer is no. And Job's answer then is in verse 38. Notice what? Then the Lord answered Job. God answers Job. And then in verse chapter 40, God begins to answer. So you have the story of Job. A great story, a great thing where God says to Job, I'm the one who determines all of these things. And we could go on, there are lots of other examples. How about Ruth and Naomi? Ruth and Naomi in the Bible, the God, the sovereign God used a national crisis, a famine in the land. Children of Israel had gone down to Egypt and now they're poor. Naomi and Ruth are, are, are just surviving. And Naomi comes back, you remember what she said? Don't call me Naomi anymore, call me Mara. Naomi means pleasant one. Mara means bitter one. And God says to Naomi and to Ruth, I am in charge of all the suffering, all the lack of food, all the worrying about where the next meal's coming from. God says, I'm the one in charge of that. I'm the one who's doing that. And we can learn a lesson from Job, we can learn a lesson from Naomi and Ruth, and we can learn a lesson from the cross of Calvary. When we look at Calvary, one of the great things of the word, God allowed the unjust suffering of his son, but from that came salvation for all mankind. What we call the problem of suffering is really a call to trust God. And so when you're going through suffering, instead of going to God and saying, God, why this? Why is this occurring to me? We say, God, may I learn to trust you. From the book of the Revelation, turn there, please, now to chapter 21 and verse 4. Job asks the question, why am I suffering? And God gives the answer in chapter 21 and verse number 4. And there's no more suffering, no more pain. No more tears. All of these things are gone. The day is coming when our suffering will be over. Now, some of you suffer from bad eyesight. Some of you suffer from arthritis. Some of you suffer from 
many other pains in your body, but one day that'll all be gone. Daniel's another example we could use. God sent Daniel into captivity. You know when Daniel went into captivity, he was a teenager, he never ever went back to, the, to his homeland. All of his life he lived in Babylon. He had no Bible, he had no preacher, he had no counselor. He suffered as a slave, and yet God out of that brought great promise and great help to the children of Israel. Today, we cannot understand suffering. And that's, I guess, the main thing I'm trying to help you to see today. Why does God allow it? We'll never know. Only in eternity. Trouble comes in our lives. Trials come to our faith. One day, we'll know the reason why. I don't know if you all read the Daily Breads. I usually read the Daily Bread each day. And last week, on January 3rd, there was a uh, wonderful article. It's called Moving at the Speed of Jesus. Did you see that? Moving at the Speed of Jesus. Go home, if you will, and read the one for January 3. When Jesus was on earth, he disappointed people in the speed in which he did things. For example, Lazarus got very sick, so Mary and Martha sent for Jesus, and Jesus, come see Lazarus. They knew that if Jesus could get there, and Lazarus would be healed, and Lazarus would be well. So they waited, and they waited several days, four days as a matter of fact. Can you imagine? They sent somebody to tell Jesus, and all that day they waited to see Jesus coming down the path. And then they went to bed and said, well, he'll be here tomorrow. But they waited the next day, and he still didn't come. They waited the third day, and finally on the fourth day, Jesus came very, very slowly. And then one of the sisters said, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother had not died. Translation, you didn't get here fast enough. You didn't move fast enough. If you move fast enough, my brother would still be alive. But Jesus has a sovereign schedule. Jesus has a schedule that's not like ours. We Americans are schedule bound, aren't we? And we've got, we've got schedules, we've got to be here at this time and this time. Everything's got to work according to our schedule. But God doesn't operate that way. And moving at the speed of Jesus, we can pray about something. We can ask God to relieve our suffering. But God has his own timetable. And what a blessing it is to know that God is in control. So the first thing about suffering today is suffering is in the hand of God. We'll never understand it. God is in control of all the suffering. Now, next week, Lord willing, what I'd like to do is show you what the Bible says on the purpose of suffering. Why does God allow suffering in our lives? We're going to be looking at that next week and find out some reasons on why God allows suffering. This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. If what you've heard has been an encouragement to you, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindy.org. You can also check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time on the Colonial Hills Podcast.